Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, everyone. Before we start the show today, we have a survey for you guys to all take. It's a five-minute survey. You can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. $100? Yeah, it's a lot of money. I want that. Ooh, you, imagine what you can get off Amazon for 100 bucks. A lot of magic cards. <laughs> a lot of magic cards. Uh, the survey is super simple. We're basically doing this to help us learn about our audience, the demographics, and it helps us better serve you guys, as well as also helps us find better advertisers for these sort of pre-roll and mid-roll ads that you hear on podcasts. So we're not trying to sell you guys like, I don't know, cleaning supplies <laughs> hey magic players gotta clean stuff still that's true uh you know we, we want to sell you double sleeving kids not, <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> not that sort of stuff so it's the survey's very simple it'll only take five minutes and to go do it it's on podsurvey.com slash command we'll have the link in the uh, li- in the more info box and show notes below and it's basically super simple it takes five minutes it's it's questions like how old are you uh what's your gender et cetera, et cetera. and and it's completely anonymous it's completely anonymous it's really just to help us help you and when you're done you're entered into a monthly drawing for a hundred dollar amazon.com gift card and we love giving stuff away clearly it's like that uh, jerry Maguire quote from cuba gooding jr help me help you help, help me, me help, help you. you yeah exactly i was gonna say, show me the money show me the gift card show me the survey <laughs> show me the survey says ding uh, so yeah, help us uh, find the best advertisers for you guys so we can keep this show free. Um, and if you've taken surveys like this before, you know it's it really is simple. I blasted through mine in like three minutes. I was like, yeah, set a record. Uh, but again, it's at podsurvey.com slash command. All right, let's get on with the show. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Music, music. Welcome to the command zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. What else does she say? She says, um, um, oh, greetings, greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. She's wow. way sexier sounded than uh, you or I are. I don't know. Us doing it in sync. Maybe one day we'll just record a joke version on our July 1st episode. Let's try to get is... really quick. Ready? Okay. Well, well greetings. Greetings. <laughs> dang it. There okay, you go. Okay. Greetings, greetings, humans. You're you have listening. entered the command zone. You've entered. Dang it. Okay. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination <laughs> for all aspects of, of Elder Dragon Highlander. Highlander. Enjoy, Enjoy your stay. stay. Have a safe flight. <laughs> 
Buckle your seatbelt. It sounds way creepier when we do it. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like like twins from like The Shining. Like, <laughs> hello, human. <laughs> like, welcome to the hotel. Rad Rob. Rad Rob. Uh, I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And uh, we have a really fun topic for you guys today. Uh, this is coming straight off of Vegas. We decided, uh, Josh texted me. He's like, well, I guess there's no better time to do it than now. This one is called High Rollers. Uh, emphasis on the S because it's a dollar sign. High roll, roll dollar uh, signs. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. It's like that song. Boom, boom, uh, boom, 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 <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Money! <laughs> or that, uh, all I want to do is... And I... Ch- <laughs> oh, yeah, the MIA song. Yeah, both of those. And take your money. And that's the whole episode. We're just going to cover those songs <laughs> as well as keep trying to do the intro voices until we nail it. Uh, so uh, the, yeah. the main the main idea of High Roll is, is we're going to talk about the cards that we usually do not talk about, so cards that are more than $25. and Way more. Way more in today's case. I mean, sometimes you just want to look at a Rolls Royce. Yeah. Sometimes you want to go into the Lambo place and be like, I could drive that. Yeah. I mean, I, I want a red one. I think a yellow Lambo is pretty sweet. Yeah. In fact, Lambo, Ferrari, those are the only cars you can get in yellow. Yeah. Besides a Camaro. Anything a else, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> but those cars, you're like, yep, you should force me to stare at that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk about some of those high-rolling cars. Uh, cars. <laughs> cars. Uh, why they're expensive, what are the cheaper versions of it, and whether or not it's worth it. Uh, but before that, a couple of small announcements. Uh, we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash a bunch of stuff. We're eventually going to get a custom URL for that. But the link is below. You can click to us to subscribe and see all our videos. Uh, each of our podcasts has a video version of it. Uh, the podcast version has no images to show you. The video version shows you all the cards that we talk about. So you can read along with it. There are really cool animations that Josh has done. And uh, we actually had a new guy come in, Jeffrey Palmer. You may have seen some of his animations on the Magic subreddit. Uh, he's at, at LivingCardsMTG on Twitter and on YouTube. And he has created some really cool dynamic like camera zooming in and out animations that we're using in the uh, the podcast episodes now on YouTube. So they're a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, you're definitely going to some, see some stuff you haven't seen before. So we would encourage you to go there, mm-hmm. check it out. While you're there, hit the subscribe button. That'll help the show out, uh, even if you don't plan on coming back. But I suggest you do come back because yeah. it is cool to watch the show when you can. Yeah, and it's also it'll also send you notifications if you are subscribed and you want that you know to your inbox or whatever. So it's also another easy way to keep up with the show without having to follow us on Twitter to know when the show goes up. Or you know, it's always there so that you can. It just gives you that notification. It's very simple. You know, very I would nice. say also that there are some plans in the works possibly to do other video content, which wouldn't be on our normal iTunes uh, feed. Right. So just going there and subscribing now will just keep you up to date on that stuff. We may do some draft videos. We may do some other type of uh, gameplay content there's a lot of ideas we've we've been throwing around and, and yeah. a lot of it will involve video so that's a good place to find it yeah it'd be really fun to i mean ideally i'd love to someday do something where we play matches against each other yeah exactly somehow, or over skype we, a lot of people have asked it. us we've just got to figure out a good way to do it and make it digestible but yeah. we definitely have the production capabilities um it's just uh, as far as streamlining the process of producing it so yeah yep that's definitely. a good place to get in line for that kind of and, and so that you can sort of get the um what's the word down low? Uh, sure. The announcements. When oh, the they announcements. Happen. Yeah, yeah, the announcements. Uh, English is something I'm working on. English is not my language. <laughs> <laughs> There's also another exciting announcement. We have a new contest. <laughs> That's like the coins. Uh, going I was off. wondering I, what that was. Like at the end of every oh, Mario so we're still level. high rollers. Yeah, it's we're still high money. rollers. Yeah. It's oh, like when I you got you. The, yeah, when you hit like the flag. The, yeah, it's like, you've got more points. It's like, well, yes, it sounded awesome. exactly like it sounds. I don't know how yeah. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a new so, contest, giveaways, more contest, stuff to give away. Contest. So a, one of our fans, uh, a listener, 
uh, in GP Vegas, Alexander Newman, Alex Newman, who also writes articles at mtgbrodeals.com. Yep, you can sure go you there, find him. Uh, very cool articles. Uh, his Twitter handle is at Alexander New M, the letter M. Um, Newman. He donated some packs of the dark. Which is like, I think we said, what, the fourth it's Magic's Magic newest set, set ever? Yeah, <laughs> it's Magic's newest set. It's a very old set. The packs very are nice. actually pretty expensive. There's some really cool cards from it. Uh, so you have a chance to win a pack of the dark, and here's how you do it. You have to go to the internet and use it uh, by going to tappedout.net <laughs> and entering a deck list that you are having trouble with. Uh, it may be incomplete in any number of ways. Either you're trying to maybe cut down some cards or you wanted it to do something specific and you played it a couple of times and it, it just didn't get there. And uh, you you are having trouble with it in any number of ways. Send us an email with the deck list on tappedout.net or send us a tweet. Tell us what your deck's trying to do, what troubles you're having, and we're going to help you try and tune it on the show. And if we choose your deck, you win the booster pack. Of the dark. The dark. And probably some other stuff, because Jimmy likes to throw in extra prizes into those things. I do, I do. I he's lots, a generous man. Every time a new set comes out, I buy a bunch of random foils and stuff from the set. But yeah, this is this is here for us to help you guys with a deck that you're having trouble with, and also gives us a chance to analyze some commanders that we never talk about, potentially, right. um, and also just show uh, some level-up moments in there of like, what, you know, like we would put this card in because it pushes us towards this, which we think is a better way to play this kind of deck or whatever. And yes, make sure that you do fill out the deck list on Tapped Out and send us that link. So you can go to at uh, CommandCast and send it to us on Twitter, or you can send it to us on email, and that is CommandCast at RocketJump.com. Or CommandCast on Twitter. Although if we we want you to get detailed about what you're having troubles with with the deck. It'll help us choose. Email's the... probably going to be easier, but if you can pull it off over Twitter, sure. Yeah, totally. Um, yep, so make sure you put it in on Tapped Out. And it's very simple. All you do is type in the name of the card. Um, you select that it's a prototype if it's not fully finished or that's an EDH deck. And that's it. You just put lines in between each of them. It's very simple. It allows us to mouse over each card and get a thumbnail of it. I'm going to tell you right now, if you just send us a list in an email that doesn't have that, you're just not going to win the contest. Yeah, but if you do have that list, you can just go to Tapped Out. And, and copy just copy and paste, and paste it, it in. And, yep. yeah, and it, should, it should work. All right. Great contest. Very excited. Thank you, Alexander, again for giving us these packs. I've ne- we've never given away something like this before. It's always it's, like the current set, which is this is really cool. This is really cool. Like it's just there's a lot of places where you would never even be able to find this. So Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, awesome. Definitely. Plus it's a throwback to when I first started playing. Yeah. And know? it's the first set that Blood Moon was printed in. So it is truly Do you a, know that uh, those old packs only had like eight cards in them? What? I totally forgot. Like, if you pick a pack of the dark up, you're like, where are all the cards? It only has Whoa. eight cards in it. Yeah, it's pretty so crazy. So if you draft it, it will go around the table once. Yeah, exactly. you, you might have to draft four packs with that thing. Even more, because we have twice as many cards now. I don't know. It's crazy. That is crazy. Um, anyway, I would like to draft it, but we don't have quite that many. <laughs> also, we have to give them away. Yeah, yeah. And cracking Don't worry, Alex. Are... We are going to give them away. I promise. We hear, like, the foil. <laughs> <opening>. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to our main topic. I'm excited about this one. Hi, Rollers. Yeah. It's going to be fun to finally talk about some of these cards. Um, We've really kept ourselves from talking about super expensive cards before. So just now it's prohibitive. It we're just make diving sense. in. Let's yeah, just talk about it. Yeah, we're going all the way in. And uh, maybe you know someone that has one of these cards or you have one of them yourself. Uh, Craig is usually the person in our playgroup yeah. that, that pulls out. A lot one of times, of these. like a playgroup, one guy will have one of these. Yeah, you know? just one. Yeah, and there'll be like one deck that has one crazy card in it, you know? So, and we're not going to talk about things like the power nine not like black lotus and super expensive like we're not going to talk about things that are banned in edh yeah we're talking about cards that would be potentially good in edh and specifically stuff that's hard to find um 
And sometimes you wish you could have in your deck because it matches perfectly with what your commander is trying to do. And sometimes yeah. maybe there's just a bunch of better alternatives available and you never have to spend 600 bucks to get this old card. Or but a lot of these cards are expensive because they're very unique and they've never yeah. been printed in quite this manner bef- again because they learned their mistake. Mm-hmm. So some of these are hard to replace. They're maybe replace- replaceable, but not in, in exactly the same way. So it'll be fun to dive into why they're worth so much. Um, well, let's sure. talk about the reserve list really quick. What I think, is the reserve list, Josh? Yeah, so the reserve list is... it like is, a reserve list at the library where there are the books that you want to rent? Does anybody even know what a library is anymore? <laughs> anymore? I feel like anybody under the age of 25 doesn't know. It's like a library of Alexandria or something. <laughs> um, okay, so the reserve list is a list of cards that Wizards of the Coast has come out and said they will never reprint. And they've also said they won't do a functional reprint, so they won't just like rename the card, but make the text basically the exact same. So these Mm -hmm. cards are called the reserve list, and as many as exist in the world right now, that's all that are ever going to exist. So this makes the prices crazy on these cards because yeah, yeah, and they're actually more safe to invest in because you know that the value is going to hold. So. The most classic example of this is the dual lands, the old school dual lands, the tropical islands, the volcanic islands, the taigas, plateaus, all that stuff. Because those are basically the best lands ever printed, and they're never going to be printed again, they're a very safe place to sort of invest into. So the reserve list came about because Wizards did a set called Chronicles, and Chronicles was a reprint. It was the first ever reprint set. And what they did is, because the way that the game had been released and there had been so much demand for it that basically every time Wizard released a set of Magic in the early days, it just sold out immediately and people that wanted it couldn't get it at all. Yeah, because also they didn't print very much. They just didn't have a huge production facility. They didn't have a lot of capital at the time as a company. Like the way that the, that Wizard of the Coast worked early in the early days, they took all their money, printed as much of product as they could. Then they would sell it and take all that money and <laughs> use all that to print as much product as they could. And then they would sell it all. And then, But even at those rates, it was not enough to meet demand, not even close. So all the early Magic sets, all of them until Fallen Empires, every single one sold out and people were just clamoring to get it. And so they finally released a set called Chronicles, which was an entire set of only reprinted cards. And they just cherry-picked. They didn't go crazy. The Power Nine's not in there, but they took a lot of cards and they reprinted them, and Chronicles was a set that they printed a lot of. What this did was it really scared everybody. Everybody that had invested in Magic cards at the time was like, well, I bought a Black Lotus at the time probably for like $25. Ooh, big investment. Yeah, and they're like, (laughs) but if you can just reprint it at any moment, because they thought it was like a a baseball card, where if you have the rookie card for Mickey Mantle, they can never print another rookie card for Mickey Mantle because the year has passed. Mm -hmm. But Magic wasn't the same way, so they were looking at going, well, if you can just reprint Black Lotus tomorrow, then why will I ever spend any money on cards? Yeah. And there was such an enormous backlash to this that Magic, the Wizards, came out with the reserve list and promised not to reprint these cards. So that's why it exists, because they are very scared to hurt that secondary market and hurt the investment value in cards. And they really literally did not do an entire reprint set like Chronicles again until just a couple years ago when they did Modern Masters, the first one. Yeah, and they were very, very careful about how they did that. And it was very format-specific because Chronicles was just like, ah, just print some more of the cards again, yeah, whatever. And they're like, "Uh uh-oh, that's going to hurt the market a lot. And a lot of people are very upset. 
Uh, so that's the reserve list. And there's some also, I mean, notably, there's some cards on the reserve list that are not good. Oh, there are tons that are not <clears throat> good because they just took like basically every rare Mm-hmm. at the time and just put it on the reserve list and there's a bunch of those cards that are garbage but they just still can't reprint them yeah. um so there's going to be a lot of cards we're going to talk about that are on the reserve list we'll, l- reserve list we'll try and note when they are but not all of these that we're going to talk about are some are mm-hmm. some are just expensive for other reasons i would say in general it's safer to purchase an expensive card that's on the reserve list than it is otherwise because yep. you just know they can't make more of those so all right. Like rare Pokemon in the wild. When let me ask you a question: When would you purchase an ex, an extremely expensive card for a deck? Like, Ugh. what are the circumstances if you were going to do it? The deck. I mean, again, we've talked about this a lot. There's 99 cards in your deck, and one of them being a 200 dollar card, an 80 dollar card, or whatever. It's not going to affect how much you win so much to the point that you want to invest that as opposed to buying eight cards for 10 dollars yep. a piece. That's going to really make a difference in your deck. So. I feel like the only time I really do purchase expensive cards is out of impulse or if I see something and I see a trend and I'm going, you know what, if I don't get this now, it's just going to be more and more prohibitively expensive in the long run. So mm-hmm. if I don't buy it now, then I, I, I'm just going to hate myself if I don't do it later. Um, that and maybe if I'm just like, it's my birthday, I'm going to buy a $20 card, you know. It, yeah, but we're talking about four or $500 cards, some of these. You know, honestly, the most expensive card I've ever bought was 100 over $100. And it was, mm-hmm. it was, it's one of the cards we're going to talk about today. Well, I would say the only time I would really consider it is if I had maybe a deck or two that was just supremely tuned. Mm-hmm. And so I've actually hit the point where the only way to improve it is to get one of these cards. It's the only time I would ever do it. Yeah, and I'd say the only other card I would I would willingly and, and happily buy that's over $100 would be a dual land. Right. Because those are the cards that no matter what the deck is, if it's in those colors, you can always use it. Whereas something that's very specific... Yeah, if you take color, that deck apart, that card's just... Yeah, it may be just not so great in other decks, and then you're thinking about how much you put into it, etc. So yeah, I think dual lands are the only time I'd really want to purchase an expensive card. And you're right, it's, it's, if, it's, it's if your deck couldn't get better by any other means than getting this one card. Then I would think about it. Even yeah. then, I would probably just take that $500 and build an entirely new deck, but... Yeah. Okay, That's let's about talk right. about the first card. It is actually not on the reserve list. It's uh, very expensive for another reason. Yeah. It's called Imperial Seal. Yeah, so Imperial Seal, it's one black for a sorcery. Search your library for a card, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. You lose two life. So Very similar to Vampiric Tutor, but mm-hmm. it is a sorcery. Uh, the price tag on this baby is between $850 and $900. And why is that? Well, it's mostly because it's from Portal 3 Kingdoms. Yep, Portal 3 Kingdoms. So this is a set that uh, was very had a very small American print run. Um, it had a much bigger... Did it have an American print run? Yeah, yeah, it was an English print run. Right. I think it was Australia, though, right? Oh, oh really? Well, I don't know the exact details, but th- basically there are very few um, English versions of the Portal 3 Kingdoms cards where, like, there are some cards, like, I think it's, like, Leaping Tiger or something, but there's, like, all these, like, random Zodiac-based animals and stuff that are, like, commons that are worth a lot of money as well just because this set was so 
not printed and it's so hard yeah. to get the cards from this set was it Australia? yeah it was not sold in uh in north america it was made for the asian market which is why it has like horsemanship and some mm-hmm. other things well notably um, every single artist is also chinese i believe yeah so. it was and and it was sold in english only in australia and new zealand okay so that's uh, why yeah. that's why so there's very few english cards but even the asian ones are hard to find it was supposed to be sort of like a gateway or a learning version of the game mm-hmm. for asia and stuff but yes very very difficult to find very difficult to find now um there are a lot of japanese and italian versions of these cards that are much cheaper but it's because there was a much bigger print run so in english imperial seal is an over an 800 dollars card yeah and it's because it's an effect that you want a lot of redundancy for uh-huh. um because especially in edh it's where you can only have one so you know we we're going to talk about cheaper versions of the card so the cheaper versions of imperial seal are demonic tutor vampiric tutor cruel tutor and then another really expensive card, Grim Tutor. And we did a whole uh, episode on tutoring, by the way, if you guys yeah. want to find out more about what options you have. Um, so you'd really need all those other ones in your deck before you'd even think about adding this one. Mm-hmm. And it is only one mana. It is very efficient. Um, it's only a sorcery speed, so in some ways it's not amazing. But if you needed one more tutor and you had the money, I guess. I mean, do you think it's worth it? No, not at all. Demonic Tutor costs one more, and it's put into your hand, and just is way better. <laughs> the, other, the other thing I would say also is Rolling Earthquake. Yeah. They reprinted it. Yep, that's There's right. There's nothing to say they wouldn't. I mean, I don't think they will. I'm not predicting they will, but they could. Yeah, this like is not Tau the reserve Tau, list. Uh, Lord of Way, they also reprinted yep. in um, uh, one of the from pre-cons, the right? Yeah, one of the From the Vaults. Oh, From the Vaults. So they, they have shown the... The ability to reprint cards from Portal 3 Kingdoms. I don't think they're going to do Imperial Seal, though. I don't think they would because they don't need to because there are so many cards that, that do the, yeah, do the, the same thing, same but thing. they could. So if I'm going to invest $900 in a card, I want to know they can't. Yeah, and whereas you can just spend 15 to 20 for a Demonic Tutor and get a much better card at yeah, exactly. speed. I would assume you wouldn't even be thinking about purchasing this card unless you already had Demonic Tutor, Vampiric Tutor, yeah. even Grim Tutor in the deck. Yeah, Vampiric Tutor is the best, I think, out of all of them because it's instant speed. Um and that's why it costs way more than Demonic Tutor. But at the same time, I would just I would be happy with many other versions of this card that do not cost as much. Um, there is also a lot of colorless versions of cards like this, like Ring of Three Wishes and stuff, where you can where you can get cards and put them into your hand. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessary to get Imperial Seal. I think actually Demonic Tutor is the best one because the card goes directly to your hand, whereas yeah, Imperial is onto the top of your library. But yeah, they're very close. Um, yeah, this card not worth it. Yep. Next card is a seven hundred dollar card. I'm Twister. So this card is uh, very bizarre. It was reprinted in Vintage Masters. Oh, online only. Um, it's, yeah, the only from... it's the only one of the Power 9 that's not banned in EDH. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, and it is the Power 9. That's right. Uh, it's two in the blue for a sorcery. Each player shuffles his or her hand and graveyard into his or her library, then draws seven cards. Then you put Time Twister into its owner's graveyard. So It's very similar to Wheel of Fortune, although Wheel of Fortune doesn't shuffle your graveyard mm-hmm. into your library, but it, the drawing the seven cards effect. Um, yeah. I mean, Why is it so expensive? It's never been printed since Unlimited. Yeah, and it's um, part of the Power 9. It's part of the Power 9, yeah. It just has a lot of history behind it, but it's not worth it. It's, there's nowhere near where this is worth it because there's so many other cards that do this similar effect. Yeah, let's go through some um, of the cheaper versions of this card. Um, sure. Wheel of Fortune, I already talked about. Yeah, Josh's favorite card. One of my far. favorite cards. Yeah. I think, was that my number one uh, red card? I think it was. It could have been, yeah. There's a card. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. <laughs> I think it was. Fork might have been up there. There's a card called Windfall. 
which is actually also still in blue. It's two in a blue. It says each player discards his or her hand, then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards a player discarded this way. And that was in the Commander Precon as well. Yep. So. And very easy to get a hold of. Very similar effect. I mean, mm. it, again, it doesn't take your graveyard and put it into your library, which that's what Time Twister sort of has going for it that these other ones don't maybe, but still, is that but, worth, yeah, like is that is, worth $699? Probably not. <laughs> no, and the reason that you want Time Twister is if you have, for some reason, the absolute need to shuffle your graveyard into your library and then and to do hand disruption for everyone else. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, sometimes Windfall is better because you could be drawing like 80 cards if someone just has a Mold Drifter out. You know? That's a really and, good point. You, want, you would rather have that upside rather than spending all this money on Time Twister. Heck, you know what? You can get Time Twister if you windfall and drop like Ulamog into your graveyard. Yeah, that's true. Well, <laughs> and then the next card that I think is similar is actually does the same effect as Time Twister, just costs more and it exiles itself. So Time Reversal mm-hmm. is three and two blue. It it's says, one of the animations in the video, by the way. Yeah, it is. It's a very cool one. It might be our, I think it's our opening animation. Yeah, if you guys watch the video version, you'll see it immediately. It's a sorcery. It says each player shuffles his or her hand and graveyard into his or her library. There you go. Then draws seven cards. Exile, time reversal. So the only real difference here is mana cost and that it exiles yeah. itself. So you couldn't recur Can't it like somewhere. cycle it over and over yeah, again. Yeah, but it's mostly functionally the same for two more mana um, and a billion dollars less. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. like, It's not a common effect for blue to do the whole everyone discards at the same time. Um, but there are a lot of other options. Is it worth it, Josh, to get Time Twister? Not at all. Unless you are bidding, however, on a Wedge's uh, uh, auction for St. Jude's Charity. If, in which case, if, if a lot of the proceeds of buying the Time Twister are going to help save children's <laughs> lives, then absolutely it is worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely a big fan of Time Twister not being bought because it's just not necessary. All right, next up we have one that may, it may potentially... Oh, we should say in. that Time Twister is on the reserve list. Oh, is it? Yeah, for sure. That's another, definitely another. This next one's on the reserve list, too. It's Mishra's Workshop. It's between $800 and $1,000. Holy crap. If you want to, these are mostly near mint prices Mm -hmm. on TCG Player at the time of this recording. Yeah. Um, You want to read it? Yeah, so it's from Antiquities. It's a land that, it's very simple. You can tap it to add three to your mana pool and spend this mana only to cast artifact spells. This card's insane. Yeah, oh, it's it's one. It's one of the most insane cards ever printed. A mana that taps for, or a land that taps for two mana, is totally broken. This one taps for three. Yeah, and there's a no. There's you just all. And the big thing is just it's only for artifact spells. But the decks that want it, any deck that's like ninety percent artifacts, this yeah. is like so powerful. I mean, this is a vintage power. Better than right? a soul. It's it's like a soul ring first turn. Yeah, because it gives better. you two extra mana, and it doesn't cost the mana to cast the soul ring, so it is better. Yeah, it's insane. Um. Yeah, this this card is is crazy. The reason it's so expensive, obviously, there was only one printing, and then lands that are overpowered are just always going to be crazy expensive because mm-hmm. they just don't take a spell slot in your deck. It's like a free, it's like a free effect almost yeah. because you're going to have land anyway. But this land just does more than your average land. Yeah, I don't think it's worth it unless you really have that dedicated artifact deck. But in that case, you really have already found a billion other ways to churn your artifacts out that you don't need to have this one specific land. I mean, like, sure, it makes your deck way more powerful, but 
there's so many other cards that do similar stuff that are yeah let's talk about some of the cheaper versions well Um, the first one clearly is temple of the false god yep it Uh, taps for two it's a land that taps for two mana if you control five or more lands counting itself yeah so this is just it's the commander land this is the land it's very good it's not actually that similar it's Mm -hmm. hard to find cards similar to mr's workshop is what i found um which does speak to how powerful it is but yeah it does create extra mana from a land there is a renowned weaponsmith. Oh yeah, which this is guy a, was printed in was it Favorite Forage M fifteen I think. Yeah, he's one in the blue, and you can tap him for uh, two mana to your mana pool to only cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. Yep, so that's actually slightly more versatile than uh, Mishra's Workshop because you can use it to trigger an ability on an artifact. Yeah, but it is only two mana. It does cost you two mana to put out. You can't use it the turn it came out. I mean, mm-hmm. it's obviously way worse. It's just the closest thing. Somber Walled Sage is similar tapper for three mana you can only use to cast creature spells yep that's just sort of a one thing that gives you a, an influx of three mana um oh this next one is interesting oh untaidake the cloud keeper it was the legendary land from champions of kamigawa enters the battlefield tapped and you can tap it to pay two life add two to your mana pool uh, spend this mana only to cast legendary spells so it has a similar effect i think this is probably the closest to Mishra's Workshop, just because it's still good, mm-hmm. like in the early turns. You know, on turn, if you play it'll turn, help you ramp out your general, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't work for artifacts. I mean, listen, I think Mishra's, Mishra's Workshop, as far as the cards we've talked about so far, it's is, definitely the most. It's the most like p- plausible that you might purchase it because that effect is extremely difficult to re- recreate. Yeah, uh, it will make your deck ex- a lot more powerful whenever you draw it in the first three turns. Uh, as long provided you have an artifact deck, which if you don't, you don't want this card at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is on the reserve list, so it's a pretty safe investment. Yeah. But you have to really be deep in artifacts to want this in your deck. Um, otherwise, it's definitely just kind of fringe. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't want it at all if you don't have at least half your deck's artifacts, even probably more. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. All the right. next one is a $700 card. And it's the one that I've seen in person out of all of these. Oh, yeah. Craig definitely has one of these. Um, it's $700. It's from Legends. It's on the reserve list. It's the Tabernacle at Pendrel Vale. Ooh, very nice. It's a legendary land, and it says, All creatures have, at the beginning of your upkeep, destroy this creature unless you pay one colorless mana. Ugh. It's crazy powerful effect because it's on a land. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it so insane hard to get rid of once it lands it costs you nothing that can't be countered Mm -hmm. you know that's that's such big things it makes it it makes it so incredibly hard to stop um it's and it just hoses token strategies or heavy creature strategies yeah if you're if you're playing a deck with i think craig plays this in his uh grand arbiter deck so you're Mm -hmm. already paying a lot more mana for everything else to come out like it's just it's very much it controls the game in kind of an unfun way sometimes. Uh, now, if you only have like one creature out, it's not a big deal at all. But anyone that has four or five out, it's like, all right, now half your mana is gone unless you sacrifice a creature. Yep. And if the deck that they're playing it in has other ways of making sure that you, like, for instance, this would be great in your Derevi deck. Yep. That keeps people locked I'd down. I'd love to have it. I just don't own one. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, token strategies are just completely hosed by this thing. Because yeah. if you have 10 creatures, you're just going to have to let half of them go. Yeah. If you want to do anything. Uh, now, this is a card that. Uh, has a series of cards in Planar Chaos that take sort of these famous cards from the past and yep. create them into creature versions. 
And Magus of the Tabernacle is a creature version of this. It's much cheaper. It's three in the white for a creature that says... It's a 2-6, by the way. What a crazy stat for a four drop. <laughs> it says, all creatures have at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice this creature unless you pay one colorless mana. So it does the exact same thing as the Tabernacle at Pendrel Veil, but on a creature that is much easier to kill. It makes it way less powerful. It can be countered so that it never hits the table. It can be killed. It also forces you to pay at least one mana because it's a creature you're going to have to pay for. Yeah. So it's way worse, but it is... A similar effect. I think, actually, Pendril Mists oh, is right. closer. It's an uh, enchantment. It's three and a blue. It says, each creature gains, during your upkeep, pay one or uh, sacrifice this creature unless you pay one. Sorry. So it's the exact same as uh, Tabernacle at Pendril Vale, mm-hmm. and it's on an enchantment. Now, it does cost four mana for that enchantment, uh, and it's what we call a do-nothing enchantment in that it takes until their upkeep to do anything. So but, it gives them a lot of time to get rid of it. But it is cl- it's pretty close. And mm-hmm. because the price tag is such a huge gap, I mean, this is like $699 cheaper, then I think that any deck that wants pe- Tabernacle at Pendrel Vale probably plays Pendrel Mist too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this next one, Vile Consumption. Looking at this, I realize I actually kind of want this in my Chaser deck. Um, it's an enchantment for one, a blue, and a black. It says all creatures have, at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice this creature unless you pay one life. Yeah, so it's very... Not mana, it's life. This is, I think, way better for ADH in some decks because it's like, hey, everyone gets to get drained equally like across the board because everyone's like, one life, fine, I'll pay it. But that adds up over time, clearly. Right. It's not as good, I think, because mana's way more of a a limited resource than Mm -hmm. life is, at least at the beginning of a game. But it does have a similar effect in that it it punishes you for having creatures. It forces you to change your gameplay in some way. Yeah, yeah. what do you think? Tabernacle worth it? It's worth it. I think if you want... I mean, there's so many decks that can be built around this card coming down and just contributing to the game plan and really doing a lot of work. I think this card's worth it. Yeah, I agree. If I had this amount of money and I was going to spend it on one single card, this would be one I would target in the type of deck that wants it, which is a very creature light deck that's trying to hate out creatures. Yeah, exactly. You can make it entirely one-sided with how you play this card because you don't have to face the downsides of it as much as you know your opponents and i think in a meta if you're you have a meta with a lot of creature heavy decks this is really powerful yep and definitely will shape the game okay the next one is also on the reserve list it's from arabian nights it's uh, between four and five hundred dollars it's bazaar of baghdad oh this card's really good yeah this card's crazy so again it's a land if we're seeing a theme here um and the land just says tap it draw two cards then discard three cards. Ayo. Now, this sounds... A lot of people see this and they think, well, that's horrible. I'm losing a card. Well, what if you're playing Carador? <laughs> you know, in EDH, there are a lot of generals that want stuff in their graveyard. Carador yeah. literally lets you play a creature out of your graveyard every turn. Uh, there are other things like Shieldred that just bring one back out of your yeah, graveyard yeah, every turn. There's a lot of decks that are just like, I want stuff in my graveyard. I, I'm actually trying to put stuff there, and this card lets me draw cards while I do it. Yeah. Yeah. This card's insane. Very, very powerful. Um, It's so expensive because, again, it's on the reserve list. It was only printed one time in Arabian Nights, and it's a land. Yep. And guess what? It was reprinted kind of. These Maguses are Magus of the Bazaar. Yeah. It's again the same Magus of the Moat, Magus of the Bazaar. One in the blue for a creature. Tap it, discard, draw two cards, and discard three cards. But it's a zero one, so it yep. dies to everything. literally everything. Yeah, it's also a creature. So the thing about Bazaar of Baghdad again, it's a land. You put it out, 
You can tap it immediately and mm-hmm. use it. Can't be countered. You can use it in any color deck as yep. well. Bazaar of uh, I it's mean, only blue, right? That's blue. Yeah. So definitely extremely powerful. There. I mean, when seeing the like discard three cards, I'm sure when they printed it originally, they were like, oh, that's the downside. You right. have to discard three cards. Well, yeah, and the game didn't have as much graveyard recursion. It had a little bit, but mm-hmm. it wasn't as crazy as it is now. And never yeah. mind. That card was broken even when it came out, yeah. though. And, yeah. and, and, like, any good EDH deck will have cards that are happier in the graveyard, honestly. I yeah. think, like, Anger is a great target yep. for all these cards. Wonder and all those cards. So. Genesis, that kind of stuff. Genesis, yeah. There are a number of cards throughout the history of Magic that are sort of one-time use do this effect. Uh, mm-hmm. Something like Careful Study, which is one blue for a sorcery, and it just says draw two cards, then discard two cards from your hand. So... It's the same type of effect, mm-hmm. but again, Bazaar is reusable every turn. It's the power level gap there is so huge; it's very hard to replace. It is um, very hard. Do you think it's worth it? This is another one that is worth it. Yeah, if you have a Carador deck and it's super highly tuned, then and you're looking for ways to improve it, yeah, it, you could get to the point where like this is one of the cards that you could you could sort of target as like I can improve my deck, you know. Significantly, significantly too, with because this you one get this card. out yeah. early. Carid- this is almost this is like auto ramp for Carador because yeah, you, it, it's it's ramp in a different way because each time you ditch stuff to the graveyard, it permanently makes Carador cheaper to, yeah. to play. There's a number of generals too that deal with the graveyard, and any of them, a lot of them are going to want this card. So yeah, and again, it's a land, and I think so far we've shown that the lands are worth it, and the non-lands are not worth it. <laughs> so far, so far, so far, yeah. All right, before we do our final five cards on our first episode in the High Rollers series, we are going to announce that this episode is brought to you by a company that I'm actually a big, big fan of. It's Loot Crate. Um, Loot Crate, if you guys don't know, it's like a swag box of like cool, geeky, gamer, pop culture stuff that sends you for less than 20 bucks a month. You get six to eight items of sort of gamer and pop culture gear that's all licensed. It's all apparel. It's collectibles. It's one-of-a-kind stuff. Uh, it's cool stuff. stuff. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. And it's always themed to a specific month. So I know for a fact that with Star Wars coming up, they're probably going to do some Star Wars stuff. Oh, snap. Yeah, this month they're doing a uh, the Cyber Revolution. So they're doing stuff from like Terminator Genesis, Borderlands 2, and they have like an ex- exclusive T-shirt. And the reason I like these guys so much is that um, if you guys know VGHS and know Video Game High School, or even the fundraiser I had last year for my musical comedy Band-Aid, they've worked with us for a number of years now to create sort of custom uh, swag boxes for the shows and for our uh, fundraising campaigns. And so as a result, I know everyone that works in this company really well. And they are some of the nicest, most honest sort of people in the world. They never, ever want to send out a box and have someone go, oh, this wasn't worth it. You know, because that to them defeats the entire purpose of Loot Crate. Mm-hmm. So it's a really big deal that, you know, like they are, they sort of set the standard for these swag boxes, I think. Uh, they've done an amazing job so far. They've been around for quite a while. Uh, if you go to their website, go to lootcrate.com slash command and enter the code command, you get to save three bucks on any subscription. I'm subscribed. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, these boxes, it's like a, it's a new, it's a new thing. It's a trend. I've seen a lot of you can do. I have one for my dog as well. <laughs> well, the great thing or one thing I really like about this service is they ship internationally to over 13 different countries. So a lot of our international listeners, I know we talk about some things and, and it's hard for them to get, but not this thing. Uh, and also, if you order before the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, then you can receive the crate for this month still. And when that cutoff happens, though, that's it. The You will never be able to get the contents of that month's crate ever again. So you guys can save $3 on that uh, subscription. Just go to lootcrate.com slash command and say hi to the Loot Crate guys because they're all my friends. All right. All right, on to our next High Rollers card. Candelabra 
of Tanos. And this is, again, another card that I've seen Craig have. And this is uh, actually, yeah, it's super prominent in a big legacy deck, which is oh, really? why the price has, yeah, has really skyrocketed in the last few years. Oh. Um, and it's on the reserve list. It's somewhere between $350 and $400. Oh, you want to read it? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's a one-drop artifact. And this may be the first artifact that I think is worth it. Uh, pay X, tap it, untap X, target lands. Yeah, super powerful. It's used in a high tide in combination with high tide mm-hmm. uh, in Legacy, also with like Blue Sun Zenith and some other stuff. But what you can do is high tide makes all your mana tap for two mana, oh, right. so you can tap it once, use half of that mana, untap it, tap it again, get a bajillion mana, mill them out, or draw a bunch of cards, mm-hmm. other shenanigans. Um, so it's really powerful. It's very powerful in our format. Yeah, because we have access to all the lands, and we have access to the lands that's after two mana. We yep. have access to potentially... Uh, I mean, if you have this with Mishra's Workshop, it's very, very powerful. Um, when it was originally printed, you can understand why it was just like a meh card, because it's like untap X target lands. It's like, I don't get it. Like, why would I just want to untap the same amount of lands for X? There was also uh, mana burn at that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you had too much mana somehow, then it would hurt you. So that was kind of a thing. Um it took a while for people to put all those pieces together and make this legacy deck. It's been around for a while, obviously, at this point. Um, it is it is a very powerful effect, though, because one of the best things you can do in our format is just create a lot of mana because there's tons of cards that take advantage of having a lot of mana. Yeah, and it, there's so many ways to abuse this in different sets and different cards from different sets, so that's why it is a very... It's an important card. Um, so let's talk about some cards that uh, are cheaper versions of this card. There's another Magus... Yep, Magus of the Candelabra. If you guys have been able to guess, they take the best word of the original, uh, uh, the original card name, and then it's essentially the same. It's a it's a one drop uh, green human wizard. Pay X and tap him. Untap X target lands. Yep, I put this guy in my um, uh, my uh, Tasker deck because I have a lot of the untappers in that deck to just generate a lot of value. And I think actually of the Maguses we've talked about so far, this is the closest to the original mm-hmm. because the. The, the Candelabra does cost one mana to put out, so it's very similar in cost. That's right. Now, the Candelabra, you can use the turn you cast it, which is a very big thing, whereas the Magus will have Summoning Sickness. Mm-hmm. But it, you just have to last one turn to sort of go off. It can happen. I think, you know, the Magus in this case is a fair comparison. It's, it's not as good, obviously, but it, it does a good approximation, especially considering the price gap. Yeah, and if you look at the art, he actually has the candelabra in front of him, which is kind of cool. Yeah, except for that, if he has it, why am I just not using the candelabra? You, he has to be the person behind it, operating it. Seems greedy. Yeah, it does seem pretty greedy. <laughs> um, um, the next one that's similar is Doubling Cube. Oh, right. That is true. Doubling Cube does essentially do what this is doing at, at its best. Yeah, right? it's, it, it, it's, Doubling Cube is a two-drop artifact. You pay three mana, tap the doubling cube, and you double the amount of each type of mana in your mana pool. So it just literally doubles you. And and we had James Pianca on long ago talking about a deck he had that used this. It's a very powerful card in any deck that's creating a, a large amount of mana and has mm-hmm. uses for a large amount of mana. If you had a lot of X spells and so on. Um, I would assume any EDH deck that wants a can- Candelabra already has a doubling cube in it. Yeah. But this is a this is a good substitute. Yeah, yeah. It's also, I mean, the Candelabra is also really good with cards like Dust Bowl or whatever, cards yep. that you need to use to kill other lands or whatever. Yeah, true, because so. you can use the lands twice. Yeah. Um, or yeah. any sort of sacrifice lands as well, like Mirren, because you need to tap them to sacrifice, right? 
Oh, true. If you just wanted to do it on the turn they came into play or something, if they come yeah. in tapped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, I mean, oh. it's just able to, like, let's say you've already used your Mirror in the Morning Well to sacrifice one oh, thing. Oh, sacrifice. You... Sorry. I thought you meant sacrifice the land. Oh, oh no, no, no. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. can't sack it twice. But, yeah, <laughs> you could sacrifice two creatures that way, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mirari's Wake also does a, a, a very similar job to what the Candelabra does, which is just, you just double your mana. Uh, there's a couple of cards that do the same sort of thing, yeah. And in, in like in black, there's tons of cards that do this, like Crypt Ghast and all that stuff. Cabal Coffers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, do you think this card is worth it? Uh, no, because Magus is there, and I think in general you want this effect in green decks anyway, so you're okay with it being in the Magus of the Candelabra. Well, that's one thing we didn't really cover, but it, the fact that the Candelabra can go in blue decks, can go in red yeah. decks. Um, I would say if you're time. playing green, you don't need it. True. If you're playing another color, then maybe you do. It just really depends. Your your deck would really need to or want a lot of mana or have a lot of utility stuff. Mm-hmm. I think in general, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's worth the price tag. Yeah, there are just better ways to ramp without having to pay $400 for it. <laughs> Good point. No. Uh, next on the list, we have just all of the original dual lands. Um, so Underground Sea, Badlands, Tropical Island, Bayou... Um, and if you guys don't know what these are, they are essentially the best lands ever printed, in mm-hmm. my opinion, because they count as an island. And well, I mean, no, no. Okay, so if let's say it's a, a tropical island, it's a green blue land. It counts as a forest and an island, so you can fetch it with the fetches. Uh, and it doesn't come into play tapped, and it just you play it, and it's a land, and it taps for both colors of mana, yep. whichever one you want. It's basically exactly the same as a shock land, except for it doesn't have that little thing where you have to pay two life. Or it comes into play tapped, yeah. Yeah, it just comes in untapped and doesn't cost you life any time. So yeah. super, super powerful. There's They're 10 of them, one on for the every color. On the restricted list as well. Yep, they are all on the restricted list, so they will never be printed again. They're between $1 and $200. About some will go a little lower, some a little higher. Uh, and that's all based on sort of legacy and vintage decks. They are. You have to have them to play yeah, in legacy. Which is why the blue-red one, Volcanic Sea, is the cost the most, correct? Uh, that's the most powerful color combo. Underground Sea is black. Underground Sea? Black-blue, I think, black is the blue? most. Okay, yeah, yeah. Tropical Island might be up there. Like I don't know ocean, which one. I don't know what they are. I mean, I, I don't own many of these, so I don't actually know the names very well. <laughs> um, I used to have a lot. I still have quite a few. Um, these, yeah. So what are some cheap versions of these? Well, the Shocklands yep. are, are very good substitutes. They just cost you a little extra life. But in our format, we have extra life to give. So they're pretty close. Uh, the Burnlands uh, that burn you for one to tap for the other colors. Yep. They've been printed a bunch. They came out yeah, in M15 Painlands. again. Yep. Yeah, Painlands, right, right. Uh, Fetchlands do a decent job. Now, a Fetchland, once you crack it, it doesn't produce both. But at the time that you do, you can choose either one. Yeah. Um, the Trilands, they do come into play tapped, but they actually tap for one additional color. So you sort of make up some of that that downside. The big thing about these is just that they, they come into play untapped with no restrictions. That's why they cost so much, and that's why they're so amazing. And the reserve list, clearly. Yeah. But, I mean, I honestly sometimes would... I, if I had a choice, I think I would take a Tri-Land over a dual land if I was playing a three-color commander deck. Hmm, that's interesting. I think in five-color, I might... I don't know about tri-color, um... But, it just sucks trying to find that last land if you only have two of the colors. So I'm yeah. just thinking a tri-land does at least open you up to being able to, for the most part, cast most of the cards in your deck. It's true. Although if you're playing three colors, then what is that? That's one, two, three different dual lands, but there's only going to be one tri-land that covers those three colors. So mm. I don't know. I'm not sure if these are worth it or not. It's really hard to say. I love lands. So for me, in general, this is where I choose to put some of this extra. Yeah. You know? but, I think they're worth it. But I, I, do they make your deck a lot be- $200 better? Probably not. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's true. I mean, in terms of investment, these are some of the best investments you can make for right. buying a card because they're never going to go down in price. They're only ever going to go up. I mean, the only way they go down is if you spill water on them or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if the condition of them goes down. But you're right. The price won't naturally go down. But they are cards that there's a lot of cards that simulate what they do. I mean, if you look at Bazaar mm. of Baghdad, for example, there's just not very many cards that can even do what it does. Yeah, that's very true. Whereas, like, literally, like a life land or a refuge land or even a bounce land, mm-hmm. it simulates the effect of a of a dual land pretty well. It's eighty percent as good. Yeah. So, and it's it's a format where it's okay to take a turn off to play a land that comes into play tapped. Yeah, especially your turn one, two, three, where you're probably not doing much anyway. And if you're using the shock lands that you're paying two life for it, then sure, whatever. You're going down thirty eight, and now you have access to your colors. It's almost as though you didn't have to pay the life for it. And really, when you look at it, how often do you play your shock land and let it come into play tapped because you don't need that mana that turn? Yeah, it's fairly often. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I, I don't know. This is a per- I hate to say that it's not worth it because I personally do buy these sometimes. Yeah, but you're right. It, it doesn't make your deck two hundred dollars better in the same way that the Candelabra or the Tabernacle might. Yeah. You know? So I, from an investment standpoint, they're worth it. From a gameplay standpoint, maybe not. It's, yeah, it's up to you, really. I think. Um, up next, Force Field. This is an old one. Oldie Use but a goodie. Use the Force Field. <laughs> Use the Force Field. That's good. Um, this was originally from Alpha Beta Unlimited and has it's been... It's on the reserve since. list. Yeah, it's on the reserve list. It's the three drop for an artifact. You can pay one, and uh, the next time an unblocked creature of your choice would deal combat damage to you this turn, prevent all but one of that damage. It's a $1 to $200, or about one fifty two hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reason this is so powerful is because this effect is almost exclusively white. Right. If you're playing white, you don't actually need force field. There's tons of cards that do what this does. But if you're playing any other color, it's very powerful. And it stops commander damage. Yeah, well, it takes it down to one, right? Yeah, I mean, basically stops it. Also, infect. Infect and commander damage have a really tough time if you get force field out. Like, yeah. if somebody's rafiking you, it's just really hard to get through it. They're just not going to get much damage through. It's also better than the Maze of Ith as well because you can do it to multiple creatures. Also gets around Hexproof because it's not targeting the oh, creature. Really? Yeah, the next time an unblocked creature of your choice. Yeah. Wow, that's actually extremely powerful. That's yeah. way better than Maze of Ith in that case. Yeah, so it's super, super strong. Um, yeah, it's just really there's not another card that does exactly what this does outside of white. Now, white has a whole bunch. Yeah. And I would hazard to say, if you're thinking about putting this in a white deck, don't bother to spend the money on it. <laughs> um, you have we'll, plenty of other force field imitators in there already. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the cards that, that are similar, cheaper versions, but they're mostly in white. So there's Righteous Aura. Righteous Aura is uh, one in a white for an enchantment. It says, pay a white and pay two life. The next time a source of your choice would deal damage to you, this turn, prevent that damage. So you take two damage instead of whatever damage you were going to take. It's pretty good, but yep. it's, you know, it's one good. It's not two. color specific. In this case, you are preventing all of the commander damage, which yes. is nice uh, instead of taking one. Uh, it's very good also... against uh, commander damage and infect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's also protective sphere, which is two in the white for an enchantment, and you can pay one and pay one life, prevent all damage that will be dealt to you by a uh, source of your choice that shares a color with the mana spent on this activation cost. So this is more, much more like you know if it's a black creature you have to play back black yeah and it's, so it's it's not as good but it this is like a five color deck yeah you would put this in the five color deck for sure uh and then there's delaying shield it's three and a white for an enchantment it says if damage would be dealt to you put that many delay counters on delaying shield instead 
At the beginning of your upkeep, remove all delay counters from delaying shield. And for each delay counter removed this way, you either lose one life or pay one in a white. Ooh, so, I like this one a lot. Yeah, so it doesn't actually require a ton of you, and it does counteract infect and commander damage, which mm. is a lot of what force field is good at. Um, a lot of sources dealing damage to you, does these these cards uh, like force field are not great against. Yeah. But delaying shield just definitely takes like infect and makes it not important. I feel like this would be good in Wedge's Angus McKenzie deck. Probably, yeah, because you could just choose to... to Delay. You never take damage. <laughs> yeah, you just try and delay and try to get to the game to a draw. So um, uh, what do you think? Force field worth it? Only if you are having real problems getting killed all the time. I, I feel think like if you're in a meta that's got a lot of Infect and or a lot of like Voltron, Voltron yeah. then it might be worth it. Uh, buying a card for this much money that's just for your meta, though, seems not... Yeah, it seems a little loose. I don't know. I feel like you get this... It's not this... as expensive as some of the cards we've talked about, though. I mean, 150 is a lot, but it's, you know, on the edge of, like, I would think about buying a card for $100 in a deck if it had a big impact. So if I had the type Uh of deck that just literally wanted to survive, I might think about it. Yeah, I I think this one feels like it's dependent on your meta. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think I'd buy this card if I really needed it. I would just find other... You know, I would play Propaganda. Yeah, it's true. You know, I play cards that just stop you from attacking you outright, so you don't need to pay. You, you know, I'd rather force them to pay the man than have me pay the man. You know? That's a good point. Uh, and I'd rather spend that money on this next card, which is Mana Crypt. Mana Crypt. Oh, so good. Mana it is Crypt. not on the reserve list, notably. It's, it is uh, not. The price tag is about $150 right uh, now. And the mana cost is about $0. Yeah. Because uh, it's a zero drop artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, Mana Crypt deals three damage to you, and that's it. Just kidding. Uh, you can tap it to add two colorless to your mana pool. So it's a Moxin or a free soul ring, free being... It's a free soul ring is yeah, how I it's say a, it. It's yeah. a soul ring that costs zero, but every once in a while it deals three damage to you, about half the time. Pretty freaking good. Uh, amazing. It's really expensive because it was a book promo. Yeah, <laughs> it would come in a book. Yeah, and so there just wasn't a ton of them made. And they have a judge foil of it that's yeah, very Yeah, they did a judge well. foil too, which the judge foil is even more expensive, yeah. Yeah, um, here's the thing. This card isn't that necessary because everyone has soul ring and but everyone I think, has you know like other versions like but it's Manifolds. so good it's so good though because it's, you can drop it on turn one with it's the, the soul- same as a mox yeah it's probably better than a mox in our format because the three damage is negligible so what this basically reads is a soul ring that costs zero and does 1.5 damage to you per turn yeah yeah that's actually a really good way of looking at it and that is amazing Think about your turn ones you can have here. You can play a land, a soul ring, a mana crypt, and then from there you can bust out a creature probably. Uh, yep. If you have artifact creatures, you can bust out like lightning greaves. You can put out equipment. You can do just so much and just empty out your hand onto the board and be like, all right, can anyone keep up with that? Yep. Um, cheaper versions are things like soul ring, mana vault, grim monolith. Mm-hmm. All mana rocks are cheaper somewhat sometimes crappier versions well none are as good as mana crypt yeah Yeah. because it costs zero to put out and there's also a lot of other cheaper versions of this same card uh in like italian and other languages so if you really wanted a mana crypt you can actually get a cheaper version that's just not going to be in english yeah which i think is a really good idea um because i would say this is one of the more worth it cards Mm -hmm. it just goes in every deck yeah like if you own a mana crypt you can use it in any of your edh decks well all of them will be better if they have this card it's just as good as soul ring maybe better yeah, it's it's pretty solid. Yeah, um, I think this card's worth it. Yeah, in any deck, literally. Yeah. Any I mean, if EDH you have a hundred and fifty dollars burning a hole in your pocket right now, then 
of the cards we've talked about so far, this is the one I'd be most likely to get. Yeah, because it fits in every single deck. Yep. Um, and it just is so powerful. The three life you're losing every turn potentially is negligible. Um, and it just puts you out to... This in your opening hand just means you're in such a better position than everyone else. Yeah, way better. It's crazy. It's, so so, it's like having a first turn soul ring, but better, if that's even possible, which it is, evidently. Yeah. All right, we got one more uh, card on our high rollers list today to do. Uh, this it. one is also on the reserve list. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's between $120 and $150. Yeah, it's called Diamond Valley. And it's a land, and you tap it to sacrifice a creature. You gain life equal to the sacrifice creature's toughness. Very strong. Very strong. It's a one of printing in Arabian Nights. It's a land as a sacrifice outlet that I mentioned earlier. Like Other cards that do this are High Market, Mirror in the Moaning Well, um, Phyrexian Tower. Yeah, yeah. Um, those do tap for mana. Fortunately. Yeah. This one does not. This one does not. Also, some of them only give you one life. Um, yeah. Some of them you gain life. Some of them you... Uh, gain mana. Yeah. I think Mirren gains you life equal to the creature's toughness that you sacrifice. Yeah, and High Market is just uh, one life. I think High Market is the best of these cards because you can tap it to add the colorless mana. You can also just use it to tap to sacrifice a creature and you gain just one life. Yeah, and generally you don't care about the amount of life you're gaining. That's just like a bonus. Mm-hmm. It's really the sacrifice effect that you want. So in that case, High Market's just as good and way cheaper. Yeah, way, way cheaper. Um, Diamond Valley is good if you need a lot of sacrifice outlets that are not like artifact-based, like Phyrexian Altar and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be good in the Child of Alara deck I talked about a few episodes ago mm-hmm. because Child of Alara destroys anything like Phyrexian Altar, but it doesn't get rid of lands. Mm-hmm. So even then, I think for the price tag, it's not worth it. I'll put Mirren in. I'll put Phyrexian Tower in. I'll put... Yeah, I mean, mark it in and just call it good. If you're really starving for that extra sacrifice outlet, then it can be worth it. But otherwise, yeah. I just don't think, yeah, at that price, I just can't imagine it. Yeah. All right. All right, well, that's going to get through our first 10 High Rollers cards. High Rollers, roll the dice, baby. This is probably going to be a reoccurring thing we do. There's there's, There's a lot of cards in the history of Magic that are expensive, although there are fewer above the $100 mark than you would think. Yeah, it, it, the the drop off is really sudden. It's also like cards that are worth it in EDH. That's true because down. there are a whole bunch of cards that are basically power nine cards, or they're just expensive, just the alpha or beta versions. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the cheapest version of the card you could possibly get a hold of when we talk about the price. Yeah, uh, that's still near mint. So, um, all, all right. right, ready for the end step? Yeah, move on. All right, I have a cool one. I like spicy things, spicy I do too. food. Yeah, I'm very into spicy food. So recent Spice and meatballs. So recently, I there used to be this farmers market when I lived in Hawaii, and there was this one stand that had really good ghost pepper salsa. Ooh, ghost pepper, the and spiciest for, pepper, the spiciest pepper in the world. So and so, I was we were I was talking about it with my girlfriend, and I was really like reminiscing about it, and I was bummed because I haven't been able to find a really good ghost pepper salsa, and so I got an Amazon. And I just Googled ghost pepper salsa and I ordered like five different ones because I was like, because <laughs> usually they're bad, the ones that you get over the internet. And I was like, if I just order one, the chance of it being bad is pretty good. So uh-huh. I'll just order a bunch and hopefully one of them will be good. And I did find one that I like. So if really? you, yeah. So if you like spicy foods like I do, if you're a chili head, then. Mrs. Renfro's ghost pepper salsa is actually very good. Now, it's not the spiciest ghost pepper salsa I've ever had. Uh, but when I'm looking for the salsa, I'm not just only thinking, like, I want the spiciest thing I can find. I also want it to taste good. Right. 
And so this one actually has really good flavor. The spiciness is supposed to add to the flavor, not not cover it up or detract from it. Yeah, I ordered some other ones that were more spicy, but the taste of them, there maybe they were a little sweet or they mm. were too tomatoey or whatever. But this one, Mrs. Renfro's Ghost Pepper Salsa, if you like spicy stuff, I do recommend it. I really enjoyed it. Very nice. I love ghost pepper. Yeah, you're a big fan? Yeah. Uh, every time I my friend has some ghost pepper, a bottle of it in his fridge, and he never uses it because he's like, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> uh, I just love it because it it makes your whole mouth like go, oh, yeah. And just stays. It's a very consistent, even level of spiciness that, that doesn't like make you go like, I have to drink tons of milk and eat bread right now. Well, it can. can. Yeah, exactly. But if you can handle any level of spiciness and just just you take the smallest amount of this stuff and you just mix it in to ketchup or whatever, and then it just kicks everything up a yeah. huge amount. So I, I love me some spicy food and ghost pepper is great. That's nice. Mrs. Renfro's, huh? Mrs. Renfro's. I'm check looking it out. on the website. They they make cheese sauce, barbecue sauce. They have just straight peppers and they also have relish. Wow. So it looks like they have a lot of a lot of options here. I think I might have to uh, take you up on this. You got to order some ghost pepper salsa. Yeah, yeah. let me know. Out. I'm going to come over. I'm going to eat some. My mouth you. is watering thinking yeah. about it right it's now. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. It, I ate so much of it that literally I went to bed that night and my mouth was still tingling from the spiciness <laughs> of it. I think That's actually we ate a ton of spicy food in Vegas and my my mouth is punishing me for it now. <laughs> I have like sores on my tongue and stuff. It's been hard to talk all night because it hurts every time I say so. Well, my lips are still chapped. I'll say that, man. Yeah. Vegas is brutal on your skin and on your lips. Yeah, and your wallet. And your wallet. <laughs> all right, don't forget to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex and Ben do a really great job. In fact, Ben got 96th place at the GP. Yeah, he was amazing. In, yep, he was in the money. He had a really good. Uh, he went. I think he went seven and two the first day, and then I think he only lost two games the second yeah, day, right? Yeah. No, I think he ended at eleven and three or something. Pretty good. He did really well. Yeah, he, he placed really in the well, top so. one hundred. Um, it was his first time day twoing as well, so that's a huge feat to make it through all his draft pods and stuff and still come out super with a great record. He was smart. He went to bed early. He woke up that morning, worked out. Worked out, like, yeah. He was like, yeah. In fact, he was working out at the time you and I were actually going to sleep. <laughs> so that's that's he was very smart about it. Um, those guys are smart. You should definitely go check out their show. You can follow them on Twitter at the MMcast. Yeah, and also a belated happy birthday to Ben. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, but his birthday party's in two days. So I'm a uh, happy gonna, birthday, Ben. Happy birthday, Ben, buddy. I love Tom Cruise. I guess. Yeah, he's doing, having a Tom Cruise themed birthday party, which I'm excited about. Um, <laughs> I'm going to enter the danger zone thanks to Kenny Loggins. <laughs> okay, we'll stop now. I was like, should I keep going? I'll keep. We could have done the whole song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, our editor on the show is Eli Cuevas. Um, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for doing the living card animations on the video. Everybody, thanks for listening. See you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>
Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. 